Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Fitness Unfiltered podcast. Today we have Ollie Carson here. He is a previous natural bodybuilder and Ironman triathlete. Thanks for coming on, Ollie. How are you? I'm good. Thank you very much for having me. And how are my co-hosts, Dan? I'm very well, thank you. I'm looking forward to this one. Mike? I'm all right, thanks. Oh, good, good. So we've got Ollie on primarily to speak about steroids. And I'm actually just going to give it over to Ollie because I want him to, I guess, explain why he decided to take steroids and a little bit about his background. So he's been a very successful natural bodybuilder, then went on and did an Ironman triathlon and then decided that he wanted to take steroids. So give us a bit of a background. Uh, background. Um, okay, so not sure uh, just how far to go back really, but obviously kind of makes sense to to, to pick up where, where you said there about the Ironman. So uh, I finished Ironman in July last year, um, lost a hell of a lot of muscle. Um, so anybody who follows me on social media, uh, we'll see the progress pictures that I posted uh, after the Ironman. I, I lost in the region of about uh, 35 pounds of muscle. I look like a completely different person um, and really started enjoying getting back into the process of regaining my physique and, and feeling confident in my own skin. I've, I've always been somebody who's been uh, very conscious of the way that I look um, and my training in the gym. Uh, and so, you know, thoroughly enjoyed that process. Um, and, and then really had this realization of um, whilst I'd, I'd done well to get back to potentially where I was previously, uh, I still had uh, a desire to, to kind of have a little bit more than that, I guess. Um, and it's really worth noting that th this wasn't an overnight decision for me. Uh, it's not something that I just kind of woke up one day and said, oh, I'm going to take anabolic steroids and, and completely change the way that I look. It's something that I've... I've thought about for, for many, many years, I've been training for the best part of, of 16 years, uh, and I've probably been thinking about steroids to some, to some extent, whether it's at the back of my mind or at the forefront of my mind uh, for, for potentially maybe five or six years. So, uh, and I think, uh, and Dan and I were talking about this before going live, uh, most males who, who train in the gym and who are interested in the way they look will have at least one, one time in their life you know, thought about taking anabolic steroids. So um, I was just at a point in my life, both emotionally, financially, psychologically, all the stars aligned where I was in a position where I was ready to take that kind of leap, uh, a huge decision as I'm, as I'm sure you can appreciate. Uh, and here we are today um, using anabolic steroids. The interesting point you make um, and the one that sort of Dan was speaking about as well about, I guess in the fitness industry, especially there's, that huge pressure and it's often thrown around that oh everyone's on it and people just don't speak about it so you being so open about that is really refreshing for one and you know I'll be completely honest I'm very happy and lucky that I'm a girl because you like we don't really have that same pressure in terms of the use of anabolic steroids and it probably you know especially in my naive more naive years I probably would have potentially done that if I was a man I don't know but I can definitely see the sort of temptation especially in this industry um so what I really want to know is how your friends and family reacted to that and then after that I want to move on to so you're a personal trainer and how your clients reacted to that as well 
Yeah, sure. Um, it's as I'm sure you can imagine, it was a bit of a mixed bag. Uh, and actually, before I made the decision, I had to do some consulting with a few important people, uh, namely my my now fiance Sophie, who uh, was incredibly supportive. Um, but it wasn't a it wasn't a conversation whereby I said I am going to take anabolic steroids. It was more of a I want to take anabolic steroids. What are your thoughts on that? You know, this is the potential health implications. This is uh, what will happen physically, maybe emotionally. Uh, these will be the repercussions. And we had a, a civilized conversation. Um, and as Sophie always is, she was very supportive. And, you know, she wasn't exactly uh, over the moon with the prospect, but she was uh, nonetheless, um, you know, backing me. So once I'd kind of had that chat, I then obviously... Um, needed to to make it a little bit more publicly aware. I didn't need to make it more publicly aware, but this is something that I'm sure you'll want to talk about in, and alluding to the fact that you spoke about people not being so transparent. Um, and I think I said to you, Emma, before coming on, was that if I was just Joe Bloggs and I, I didn't have a social media following, following and I wasn't in this industry, it it potentially isn't the sort of thing that I'd be shouting from the rooftops. However, I do have a social media following. I am in this industry uh, and I have, um, you know, maybe younger people potentially looking up to what it is that I'm doing with my training, my physique progression. Uh, and what I would hate to do is to pull the wool over anybody's eyes. Um, so I felt it was really, really important to be open and honest with <clears throat> my my new endeavors, um, regardless of the, the kickback from that, which there has been some, you know, there's been some positives, there's been some some negatives for the most part it's been positive which is really cool it's been received in a, in a really good light um, mainly with this, the same sort of comments that you had that it's refreshing to see somebody be transparent so that's really cool um, but there's also been the 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 other side of that where people kind of um, I've had it's actually really funny I had a message the other day from my swimming coach for the Ironman uh, just randomly he wanted to come back and do some coaching with me because I used to I used to train him and uh he must have been looking on YouTube at the time of texting me. I was just replying to him and then he sent another message straight away and said, oh, actually, I've just seen that you take anabolic steroids. I can't associate myself with that. And that's really, really the, the worst feeling that I've had uh, with my, my kind of journey, if you like, of taking steroids is, is that message. It really kind of uh, kicked me quite hard in the stomach. Um, but for the most part, it's been received really, really well. Um, friends kind of understood... Um, Again, there's that kind of worry and concern for your health, which is completely normal. And I'd be more concerned if they didn't have that, um, but nonetheless, just supportive. Um, and, and from a client's point of view, um, like I just said, I had the swim coach who who didn't want to come back on board with me. Um, so there's some lost business. And the thing is, is I don't think you, you necessarily see um, all the situations and scenarios whereby you lose business because of your, your stance on steroids or because of your your natural status because you just don't see it it just doesn't happen not everybody comes up to you and says by the way i'm not coaching with you because you take steroids it, you you don't know if you've missed out on that opportunity um but from a business point of view i haven't noticed any decline in my in my business um with either face-to-face -face clients or online clients uh, so it's really hard to say but the clients that i do have that are standing now uh, are all also very supportive and very intrigued by um, the progress that I've been making over the last few months. Um, but it's important for me to, to say now uh, and, and to say to, to your listeners that it's not something that I advocate to my clients. It's not something that I guide my clients through. Uh, I am not the person to do that. 
Um, so that's kind of my stance on it. Um, you know, I know you've briefly touched on your history as well, Ollie, but you, you know, I think probably important to stress to the listeners as well, you are pretty experienced trainer. This is, you know, you're not two or three years in the gym prior to even your triathlete um, and your Ironman training. This is a subsequent amount of, you know, a large part of your life which you've dedicated to training. And I guess perhaps what I wanted to know was like, why, why now? What, you know, cause I know you've spoken about your bodybuilding yeah. um, dreams and, and something that you're trying to pursue. What, why now? Yeah, for sure. It's a really good question. Um, like I said, it, it is definitely something that I've thought about for many, many years. Um, as you'll know, being a natural athlete and, and training in the gym, it can be quite frustrating with the the speed in which you progress. Um, you know, some people progress quicker than others. And actually, I, I got by for a very long while with just the kind of natural progression. So when you first start training, you get newbie gains. So you start growing at a very quick rate. That's all very fun and exciting that starts to subside and then you start to find things like nutrition. All of a sudden you see some new spouts and gains and you, you see some more progress and that was all fun and exciting. Then that starts to sub subside and then I found progressive overload. And again, I had another peak in my progression. And then I, I kind of hovered around that period of time for a good few years uh, and became increasingly frustrated. Um, and I'll be open and, and honest and admit that I, I do have uh, kind of confidence issues. I do have, oh sorry, <laughs> I do have confidence issues. I do have um, not body image issues, but I'm very um, aware of my of my image and my physique. And so for me, taking anabolic steroids was, um, and I guess a way of uh, making myself feel better in my own skin. Um, and now at this point in my life. Financially, I'm in a good position, you know, so in a social setting with my, my support network from my friends and my family, um, my business, everything was in a, a good position for me to take this leap. Uh, and I've always been quite a sensible person. So I never really wanted to, to make that leap uh, when those things weren't in, in a good position to do so. So I think that's why I've, I've, I've decided now. Yeah, thank you. Because I know you have aspirations, obviously, you know, doing quite well next year at uh, PCA. So yeah yeah for sure oh i'd like to know this so what are your goals behind taking this and sort of what's the time span that you've given yourself to then compete again yeah sure so um my my immediate aspiration is to uh compete on a bodybuilding stage in 2020 with the with the pca um so i'm currently in what we'd call my off season or my gaining phase uh so actively trying to put on as much uh, muscle mass as possible um, and that will last for the rest of this year, essentially. So I've been uh, in this gaining phase since um, pretty much October last year. Um, so it's a pretty long time to, to spend actively trying to put on as much muscle as possible. I'll then diet down for my first competition of the year in 2020. Um, and then obviously, depending on how that goes, um, you know, get ready for respective kind of British final shows and, and potentially world championships, depending on the results of those. So, um, and I think that's a really important point to note is that I'm not getting into this to, to be ready for a holiday on the beach. It's not a case of I'm taking anabolic steroids because I want to look good on the beach. I don't feel like that is a worthy enough reason to put your health in such jeopardy. Um, I have much larger aspirations um, and I think that makes it not okay, but potentially a better reason for, for, for making such a big decision. Yeah, I guess because being, you know, realistic, 
I think there's a difference between taking anabolic steroids almost as a way to fast track getting a decent mm. physique, which can be achieved naturally, yeah. whereas physique you're aspiring to cannot yeah. be achieved naturally. And there's not really any debate to that. Yeah, yeah. At that bodybuilding, like you can't build that much tissue. Naturally. No, no, for sure. Yeah, mm. I mean, I've, and without blowing my own trumpet, I've I've built a a, a good physique. Um, naturally that I can be happy and proud of, um, that I can feel good in my own skin and I can, you know, do all those things, go on holiday and feel confident. Um, but my, my goals see me being bigger than that, unfortunately. Uh, and to do so, I have to kind of take this, this leap, which is, you know, potentially a detriment to my health, but it's a risk that I am willing to take. You know, it's always risk versus reward. You have to make calculated decisions. Um, I've weighed up the options and, um, kind of seen it fit to, to go down this route. So you've sort of touched on what and I guess what you do um, in terms of looking after your health or minimising those risks. And then we're going to get Mike in to talk about the potential for a GP's role in that or if they should be involved at all. So initially, what protocol or what things do you have in place to monitor your health as you're taking? Yeah, sure. So um, there's a vast array of um, avenues that you can use as as an assisted athlete, as somebody who takes uh, anabolics to just to monitor your health as you go through the process. Um, so I use a, a company called Medichex who, who basically um, check my, my blood work quite frequently to see if there's any, um, you know, outlying blood markers that that you know flag up as potential health risks now they're obviously going to be um numbers out of range um and and this is where i kind of call upon uh, my coach to to oversee that yes whilst they're out of range they're still within a reasonable range in the realm of what i'm doing uh, you almost have to be willing to ex to accept the risk of, to your health when you're doing this um and, and if anybody's jumping into this thinking that they can be completely healthy uh, and risk-free, uh, then they have another thing coming, unfortunately, because um, it just goes in hand in hand with, with taking anabolic steroids. There is always gonna be a risk to your health. Um, but managing that is, is of paramount importance to me and to my coach. Um, and there was an interesting comment on the social media post uh, that you guys put up. Um, and I think it was from uh, one of the Poignard brothers who basically said that, um, you know, do we know that these coaches and these um, these people in in positions of power within the realm of anabolic steroids do we know that they know how to interpret uh, blood work? And it's a really interesting point because this isn't an area whereby we do have a, a huge amount of information uh, and we can't go to very credible sources and and know for verbatim this is right, this is wrong, this is what you should do, this is what you shouldn't do. Uh, so in this instance, again, it comes down to me making uh, an informed decision uh, and making the best of a bad situation and, and investing my trust into somebody who I feel uh, is in a good enough position to, to control that for me. Um, but essentially, uh, it, comes, it comes back to the fact that you have to be willing to take a bit of a risk to your health, uh, which is very sad to, to a lot of people. And I completely appreciate that a lot of people listening to this will not understand that. Uh, and I, I don't for one second expect them to. Um, a lot of people will think that I'm absolutely crazy. Somebody else commented on your Instagram post saying they need to be referred to a psychiatrist. Uh, I completely get that too. 
Um, but this is just a choice that I've made. It's a risk that I'm willing to take. Um, and I don't really want anyone to understand it. And I don't really implore anybody to go down the same route as me. Um, what I'm doing isn't affecting anybody else's health. I'm not putting anybody else at jeopardy. I'm not doing anything illegal. Um, and so I just ask people to, to not laugh at me too much. Yeah, and I guess like the the argument the other way would potentially be that actually, you know, a lot of people take recreational drugs on the weekend, mm-hmm. which are, you know you could argue are far worse. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, we see that as almost acceptable because it's so common mm-hmm. and so many people do it. But yet, someone taking anabolic steroids is absolutely ludicrous. Yeah, there's a, there's there's so a huge they, there's a huge stigma there's a huge stigma around the use of yeah. anabolic steroids. Um, and, and I think it comes back to um, the idea of cheating. It's the idea of if you take anabolic steroids, you're a cheater. Um, but what we've got to remember is that cheating is only in the context of a sport. Uh, within the sport that I'm going to be competing in, um, it actually puts me on a level playing field. It's not a tested event. If I was going into the Olympics and I was using an, an, an exogenous hormone uh, to, give my, to give myself a benefit in a performance perspective, then that, yes, of course, would be cheating. And I, and I wouldn't condone that at all um but it's just it just isn't cheating unfortunately it's not illegal uh, is of course illegal to sell steroids in the uk it's not illegal to possess or to use them um so what i'm doing isn't negatively affecting anyone other than myself and that's my decision and it's one that i kind of take on the chin which is an interesting concept in itself that obviously selling steroids is illegal mm have them and using them is mm. not but you must have bought them in order to have them use it it's quite yeah, yeah that's sort of an, an off topic but it's quite funny um yeah i would completely agree and it's not cheating in the in the world of bodybuilding i think one of the main issues that a lot of people have and i know myself really have within fitness is people i guess like you are transparent about their use um, and I think that can be really demoralizing for, you know, a lot of young guys, potentially mostly, um, looking up to someone and thinking that they can achieve that if they only took those supplements that they're taking yeah. or ever they're promoting or they buy their online training program or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I think that's very misleading. But aside from that, I do feel like it, it is your choice. And I think there is a huge amount of stigma surrounding it potentially that there maybe shouldn't be in if you compare it to other drugs or even drinking Mm. um yeah so do we want to go on to the potential for a gp's role in this mike we can do yeah i've been surprisingly quiet so far in this uh, in this podcast which is i know very unusual for me but it's um it's it's been, I mean, you talked a little bit about um, the reaction of, of kind of Ollie's family and friends to it. And I suppose I've got a bit of a role to play in that as well. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, Ollie's a very good friend of mine and was my coach previously. Although I didn't fire him because no, he started using No, no, he, no he did. He messaged me. He said, I will have nothing to do with you anymore. <laughs> yeah, he moved gyms against my will. So, you know, I, I was left no choice. Anyway, um, so it was an interesting process and, and a very interesting kind of lesson in, in cognitive dissonance for me because um, Ollie, I think I, I think I can probably say that Ollie is the first 
friend of mine who has started taking anabolic steroids. I mean, I've certainly had friends in the past who who I have known to have used steroids or use steroids, but um, I think this is the first time I've been in a situation where at the you know where somebody was kind of staunchly natural when I met them and got to know them, and then they've made a decision to change. It's the first time I've kind of witnessed that sort of change, and it's a really interesting process because. Um, I think, you know, like Ollie says, there is a big stigma about it. And I think we do put people on, on pedestals for being, you know, things like natural and stuff like that. And, and, um, so almost there's this kind of, you know, I have to be honest that I was a little bit almost not disappointed in Ollie, but disappointed in the process. Cause it almost like, it feels like a bit of an irreversible decision. And that's mm. one of the interesting questions that we've had from, from lots of people, have said sort of you know you can't go back you can't you can no longer be natural kind of natural anymore mm. you can't you can't go back to it whatever happens then in the future you always will have taken steroids um and almost i suppose that that kind of process it was almost like when when i spoke to ollie about it i think you'd all you'd already decided hadn't you or mm. i think you might have even started and um and i was like oh i feel i feel bad that we didn't chat about it in case maybe he hadn't thought some things through. I mean, obviously since then I, I do realise how heavily he had thought this through, but it was an interesting kind of process for me, kind of almost coming to terms with the idea. Not that it's got anything to do with me at all. Like, And, and that's what's so interesting about it is that like Ollie was saying, he's not causing harm to anybody else. He's not risking anybody else's health. Um, he's literally making a decision for himself. But, you know, we always feel like we take a little bit of ownership in people that we care about. And I think that's that although that's a natural process, um, it can also be harmful to our relationships as well, because, you know, people can get almost annoyed with with people for making decisions that they don't necessarily agree with or understand at the time. So, yeah, that was that was quite an interesting process, and it's and it sparked up a lot of questions in my mind, especially in terms of things like harm reduction when it comes to steroid users, because I found myself in a position as as a GP of wanting to know, you know, you know, have you spoken to a doctor about this? Have you, you know, are you having monitoring from a doctor? And then I think, well, hang on a minute, I'm a doctor. What 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 do I know about steroids? Oh, nothing. Um, and and that was a bit of an eye opener as well because um, you know even to the point where you know I've I've had patients who who I've talked about it to before as well and you know sometimes they will ask me quite direct questions about specific problems and side effects etc and it's only really then that you realise how little you know and I probably know a little bit more because I've you know I've had the I've been in this position before in terms of advising other people on it um, and obviously through now knowing people who do it you know i've 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 looked into it a little bit but there is so little information out there that kind of from an ethical perspective and from a harm reduction perspective if you think of the role of a doctor in this scenario their only real role is to try and stop people from doing it because in fact like ollie's saying no matter how hard you try no matter how hard you monitor things you are taking a health risk now when a patient asks me if they should go and do a parachute jump, I don't want them to go and do a parachute jump. I think that's, you know, it's ludicrous, but that's because my only concern is their safety. Um, it doesn't matter to me if they, if, you know, so much, of course it matters to me a little bit, but I'm not so invested in them reaching their lifelong dream of, of doing a parachute jump. I would rather they stayed alive. Whereas, 
you know, a lot of athletes would rather they risked disaster than didn't get to their goals. So it's just it's just a case of kind of differing agendas and trying to balance those up. And um, I think we we've we've talked a lot about you know there are so many risk behaviours that people that people engage in. People go skiing. People go bungee jumping. You know, I've had to I have had to sign release forms for people to go skydiving. And there is literally no you know what why would I do that? But that is part of my job. I can't kind of have to because they can't do it without me kind of signing off on it. And that's an interesting thing if you actually if you actually think about it because we often take risks with our health. We don't we don't think anything of of treating rugby injuries or treating um, skiing injuries or anything like that. But we get really angry about treating smoking related illnesses and we get really angry about treating obesity related illnesses. And I I worry that there is an element of, of judgment amongst the medical profession about some of these things. And it's 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 all great when it comes from a place of, of science and logic. But when it comes from a place of moral judgment, we have to remember it is out. It is not ever our place to cast moral judgment on, on people's activities and what people choose to do and the lifestyle choices that they make. I think that's a really good point. And actually, I can't remember if it, you said it or one of your GP friends commented it on a post, but it was about comparing um, steroids use to, I, I don't know, like a heroin addict or some other drug use. Mm-hmm. And their point, which I hadn't really considered, was that your job is always to try and get someone off the use of that drug. Exactly. Yeah. And that's always yeah. your end game. Whereas with the steroid use, effectively, you'd be, you could be shown to be enabling it because you're almost promoting the safe use of it. Yeah, th- there's that worry about being complicit in it. And I, I think that's, that's almost like a, a kind of an inbuilt fear that we have because we worry that we will be seen by either our colleagues or by the General Medical Council as, as being complicit in, in an activity that you know essentially involves some illegal activity and things like that and you know harm reduction is really important but at the same time I mean it's almost like like there are there are lots of of gray areas like that though you know when you think about you know giving contraception to people who are underage to kind of help protect them and things like that there's so many ethical gray areas where you really have to kind of think about your own you know your own practice and your own kind of autonomous nature in terms of in terms of deciding what you should and shouldn't be doing i personally am of the opinion that we can't decide for our patients what they do we can't decide how they live their lives but what we can do is offer some support in terms of trying to reduce the harms from those behaviors and i don't see that as a as a waste of nhs time but what I do worry about is the lack of training and knowledge that we have about the specific issues regarding it. Like if, you know, and what I would love, what I would love to see is there to be reliable, um, ethical doctors who are able to give advice on this. And I think there may well be some in kind of sports medicine and, and, and specialties like that, that that I don't have a lot of experience in. Um, but, you know, sometimes I speak to some of these coaches you know, on places like Instagram and, and sort of see some of the stuff they say. The problem is I have no idea if they are just, if they're really well informed, really well read and really well researched, or if they're just making it all up because there is no real kind of gold standard to kind of to, to kind of measure up against. And I think that's where people have the concerns. It's like, why can't we be asking doctors about this? But the doctors don't know either. So there is this huge gap kind of in terms of, in terms of who actually knows 
what to advise on. And then and then you have the other side of things because a lot of, you know, if, you, if you're having side effects and you're having damage and harm that's being caused, then the advice from that doctor can only be stop taking it. Mm. But you're not going to do that anyway. So then what's the point in, you know, in, in having that advice from that doctor? Because you know what what's the what what then is the point in checking the bloods if you're not going to act on them or whether you you know because you don't then know the threshold so you don't know when when the difference between or like the, you know the the people who are kind of having their bloods checked through through kind of private services might not know the difference between you should probably stop now and you really need to stop now mm-hmm. Um, and there's other aspects to consider as well, you know, other, you know, like heart health and stuff like that, which aren't always apparent on things like blood tests. I think, you know, I think, I think my biggest concern is that is, is whether we're developing a culture whereby we think that because we're checking people's blood tests, that then everything's okay. And I think what Ollie is saying today is, is kind of testament to the fact that maybe we're not doing that because He's making it quite clear that there are risks and no matter what you do and no matter how try, how hard you try to mitigate them, you are still taking those risks. Mm. Um, and I think that's that's so important for people to realise, but also for the people who are kind of, you know, arranging these tests and whatever to, to kind of be be fairly open about. Yeah, that would that would be a, a message that I, I give to anybody who is potentially using um, anabolic substances who is having you know frequent blood tests and and feels as though they're doing everything within their power to to stay healthy and to stay within somewhat healthy ranges within the realm of using anabolics is that um do not be do not be misled to to believe that you you are fine because the likelihood is is that you you aren't fine and that's not like a, a scaremongering t- tactic i have no reason to do that um but it it's to have a it's it's telling people to have a critical mindset towards it. It's understanding that you are taking a huge risk with your health um, and you have to be willing to accept those consequences uh, and not just run along blissfully unaware to to what's happening uh, with underlying issues with pathology and, and everything that's happening behind the scenes. And I think um, one point to make is that it's probably quite a transient state that you're healthy while taking steroids or we don't know that it's not anyway. And actually a lot of the problems occur when you come off them or years later. Um, And it's uh, similar to the argument about the fact you can be fit and healthy and that yes, a lot of people are, but it's only because they've not been overweight for 10 years and developed type 2 diabetes yet. And so their bloods are going to come back normal and it might seem like everything's okay on the surface, but we don't really know what's happening. And I think especially with steroids, it's so hard to get good information because for ethical reasons, there are no studies on them. And well, the only things that we really have to go by are either mice models or studies on hormone Mm. replacement therapy, which is far, you know, like not even close to the type of dosages that, people will be taking for bodybuilding there's a, there's a few there's a few observational studies but there's there's nothing that is um definitive enough to to like you say to have a gold standard and say this is what we should and shouldn't be doing so a lot of it is observational a lot of it is in like you say animal models um so we really have to use the information that we have there is probably a large amount of pseudoscience within the realm of anabolic steroids going around you know old 
ideas of what we should and shouldn't be doing with steroid cycles and PCTs. Um, but there's a huge rise in, in people who are paying more interest in, in, in the science and, and what happens uh, when we take these substances. And uh, you just have to put your, your interest in the right areas. Well, I think that also makes it extremely hard for doctors to say anything either, because obviously their advice is their career as well. And the fact that there's nothing really to suggest, you know, no hard, solid evidence to go off, it makes it very hard to make judgments in that respect, I guess. So I can see why, like, I've had people I know who are taking steroids go to their GP and ask to get their blood work done. And they've said that they'll have nothing to do with it. And initially, I was quite shocked by that. And I thought, oh, well, they should, they should obviously be helping if you've gone to them and said, I'd like to get my blood checked. I'm worried about X, Y, or Z. But at the same time, if they don't have an understanding of what could be going on and you have no intention of coming off the steroids, then I could understand why they wouldn't want to treat you. Well, it's an interesting one because I think that you... Um like like even even knowing kind of the little that i know i would never say no to someone who's trying to trying to kind of safeguard their own health even within the context of of what they're doing i think it is it is something that we that we should be doing you know harm reduction is really important if we knew someone was drinking too much we'd be checking their liver function tests and all of that kind of stuff too but i was pretty surprised i put out a tweet because almost you know when I was having this discussion with somebody else fairly recently about what, you know, what do you think the GP's role is in, in this? And obviously you're, you're not going to get a, a particularly accurate cross section of, of opinion on, on something like Twitter, but you know, the response was really surprising to me. I was surprised at how, um, how many people didn't think it was appropriate for, for GPs to be doing it. And I think it is a tricky one because we are talking in the context of quite a, quite an under-resourced NHS at the moment. So I think a lot of the context of that is that should we be should we be utilising resources on harm reduction for performance-enhancing drugs um, in the context of what we do in, in healthcare? But I mean, I would still argue that, you know, health promotion and, and, and kind of harm reduction still have a really important role. You know, we either have an NHS or we don't. We can't kind of pick and choose and ration out healthcare to different people based on different things. Otherwise, it's a very slippery slope, in my humble opinion. And this is not representative of the views of my organisation. But um, it, it just, it, it's a really challenging one. And I think part of the reason is because steroids aren't that common. And I know they are that common, but they're not necessarily common in healthcare in the sense that, you know, I've had very few patients who've come to to see me about steroid use in in the eight years or so that I've been a GP in Baltimore <laughs> or somewhere. <laughs> um, and it's it's an interesting one because you you kind of think, well, when you do have an experience with you know alcohol use and 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 recreational drug use, etc., with with large groups of people, then you become more comfortable with managing those situations and you know they become clearly more of an issue whereas if you've only had to deal with it once or twice you can be a bit unsure about it and never really be forced to kind of learn more about it etc I suppose and is it a big enough problem I mean if you've only seen one or two people over eight years is it a big enough problem to spend money on training up GPs to be able to treat well I think I think it depends on the demographics I mean it, it, it's 
it, it depends on on how free, how common it is in in different areas. I, I couldn't say what it's like on a national scale. Um, but what every area does have is drug misuse services, and and you know we you do have like needle exchanges and 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 uh, substance use services. So so they should be providing some level of input on that, I think. Um, but I've I've struggled to to find out exactly how extensive that has been. Um, and I have I've sort of spoken to a couple of a couple of services in different places to kind of try and find out about that and some of them do deal with it but it's just that the information again isn't isn't massively widely available in terms of what you know what people should be doing <laughs> yeah so, um, I'm interested if Dan had something no, sorry I was just gonna I gather, I gather from, like, from a GP's point of view as well it's, it's part of your duty of care and that, you know, if, if potentially a patient did come to you with concerns and then they went away and something happened to them and you had refused treatment, you know, it, it'd probably be the, the GP would be, be asked some questions as well. It's a huge grey area. Like I said, it's kind of you, I, whether, whether GPs get asked questions about things, it depends on who's asking the questions, I suppose, and, and who's, and how, you know, what, what actually happens. And, and it, it depends you know, it's kind of our, does the duty of care come from actually checking the blood test or does it come from advising people to stop engaging the activity? Like if you've advised them to stop doing it and and sort of said that it could be harming your health and you should stop doing it. um, And there's no point in checking your bloods because regardless of what the blood tests show, we're not going to give you other advice. The advice is going to be to stop taking it. Um, you know, can you argue that then the person is still taking that that risk themselves, or is it less of an informed risk because they didn't have the blood test to tell them? It's it's again, it's it's up for debate, but it is, you know, it depends on how harsh you want to be on people. And I think if you if you go into general practice, I think generally you're not in the business of of being harsh on people. You want to try and help people as best you can. But the difficulty is to know when that involves, you know, things like, you know, being tough on people um, and things like trying to trying to help them in other ways, like harm reduction. It's it's impossible to know. There would be plenty of doctors who would be arguing that that, that by using uh, by doing these blood tests, then perhaps we are we are in some in some way complicit or enabling them to continue to engage in that activity and we should just be point blank refusing to engage in it in any way um but then it comes back to the argument that we have with all use of of kind of all drugs is that by just denying people help they're either going to get it from elsewhere that is less qualified or less able to help them um or they're going to have even more harm caused to them so it's not something that sits comfortably with me so again it's not something that i would i would do to kind of decline help but it's a it's an interesting debate that isn't it and i think it's come up a little bit in the media because i don't know if it actually went ahead but i think they are introducing places at festivals where you can get like your recreational drugs tested because people are going to take them anyway yeah it's popular in scandinavian countries isn't it from what i've what i've heard oh i didn't know but there is talk of bringing it in in the uk and you think is that enabling recreational drug use or is it saving a hell of a lot of lives and possibly both really but yeah that's an interesting concept and 
I do think in some ways, you know, like you, you would be more likely to take drugs that you knew didn't have something, but I guess you never know if they are going to kill you anyway. But if you knew they were quote unquote safer and had passed this test, then you would, if you didn't know that. So is that almost encouraging that behavior? Similarly with, with um, steroids, like if you, if your GP was sort of on board, even though they're saying, you know, definitely don't do this, but if you are going to do it, I'm going to check your bloods every month or so to make sure things aren't going too untoward. Would you be more likely to think, actually, if I knew I was getting that support, maybe that sort of tips me in the way of actually, I will try this. I, I think the, I think the very unfortunate thing is, is when somebody makes the decision to take anabolic steroids they won't be swayed by um, the decision making of their GP regardless um, and so I think actually having something in place where we can as Mike said um, have some harm prevention um, that would that would be nothing but a good thing but of course that's that's very easy for me to say not knowing anything about NHS funding and all that kind of stuff and workload um, but yeah I think for the most part most and, and a lot of the guys that are taking and girls that are taking uh, anabolic steroids they don't care and they aren't as well as well invested in their own health as potentially some people are uh, and they will just go and do anything and i think if there was an option to have it checked that could uh, that could only be a good thing mm. so to kind of speak sorry no i was just gonna say i just think it's part of that um at any cost culture mm. we have is that you know people have got a definitive end and it's I mean, you see it time and time again in natural athletes, in assisted athletes, people that really, really put their health on the line because winning is more important than anything else. Um, So I I was just going to relate that back to kind of, you know, what Ali was saying earlier about kind of advocating it versus not advocating it. And and also, you know, when the idea of kind of enabling other people to do it, like Ali touched briefly on kind of having a social media following and wanting to be kind of honest with them one of the things that I wanted to ask him about that was um, was about how you how you kind of marry up the idea. Like I, I've seen you kind of put stuff on your stories about how you make your oats mm. or what kind of, um, you know, like having saurine malt loaf and mm. stuff like that. And kind of suddenly we then have this massive spate of all of these people going, like posting Insta stories mm. about them having malt loafs and stuff. Mm. Like how, how did you kind of approach the idea that that a lot of people are you know you are an influencer Mm. i hate that word so much but it's true you know you do have an influence on people people look up to you you talked about it earlier how did you kind of how have you approached trying to prevent people from copying this yeah um it is it is definitely something that i considered um i think my my rationale was that this is a obviously much larger decision to make than eating malt loaf. And so you'd like to think for the most part that people wouldn't just follow suit. And, and that's not that's not to kind of belittle your, your question because it's a perfectly reasonable question because, you know, if there's somebody sitting on the fence and they follow me and they look up to me and they think, well, Ollie's done it, then that, that could be enough to push somebody across that line. And I would hate for that to, to be the case. But I think in those instances, everybody's going to make their own decisions anyway. And what I would hate even more than that on a much larger scale is to mislead 
younger followers and, and pull the wool over people's eyes, as I said previously, uh, as to the amount of progress that I'd be evidently making that I wouldn't stop sharing. Mm-hmm. Uh, people would just be looking at this going, what the hell is Ollie doing? You know, it must be the BCAAs. And I would just hate that to be the case. Um, so for me, it was more paramount that I was transparent rather than potentially influencing somebody else to, to make a similar decision to me. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, actually. And, and in terms of, you know, because you're stuck between a rock and a hard place, because being an influencer, I suppose, does not necessarily mean that you have to live your life based on what other people might mm. or might not want you to do. You mm. still have to make your decisions and, and do the things that that you want to do for yourself. But it, yeah, it's, um, I, I think, arguably, it would it would probably be worse to to lie lie about yes arguably it would be when you (laughs) put it like that Ollie thank you Uh, yeah that is an interesting thing and I think in the term like influencer you've almost become a role model to some people and a lot of people don't ask in fact nobody really asks to become a role model but then you have that responsibility to people who do look up to you Mm. which is an interesting concept and I think a lot of celebrities as well maybe don't appreciate that fact or almost turn it around and just say well I didn't ask to be a role model which is true no no one asks for it but once you've been put on that sort of pedestal Mm -hmm. you kind of owe people a bit of honesty I think Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right I'll wrap it up um and what are the key points we want to, if there was a take home from this? Oh, that's quite a hard one, actually. I don't know if we could do a take home from this. I think it's just, it's evident. I mean, I think Ollie's a great guest in that, you know, what he has done, it, we've been clear from the start, this is very much about personal choice. Um, everyone has a responsibility to make their own and what Ollie's done has been in the most educated way where he's weighed up the risk reward ratio as much as possible. And it's, you know, in his mind, whether some will deem that as rightly or wrongly, it's for a definitive reason. It's taking the next step towards actually achieving something. It's not, as, as you said, Ollie, looking good on a beach. It's It's been a big, bold move for you. And you, you've strenuously thought about everything you spoke about with your loved ones. It's not something you've frivolously done. You've off, you've got years and years and years of natural training experience under your belt before you've made this jump. Um, so, so that in itself, I think, if that's a take home for anyone, is that we're not condoning use on here, but we are very much outlining that it's personal choice and that everyone has, has their own freedom with that. And if you're going to do something like this, just make sure it's done in the most educated and informed way possible with all risk considered. Nailed it. Pretty good take home. Yeah. Eyes wide open and all that. But don't think that your eyes are wide open when they are not. Cool. Cool. We're gonna wrap this up in the normal way. Oh, can we do the reviews thing? We do more though. Do you know what we also have to say, Dan? By the next time our next podcast comes out, Dan will be in the middle of his um charity event, won't he? Oh my god, yeah. Yeah. That'd be good, won't it? I'm trying to be kind of blase about it and not really think about it. It's going to get done. There's no point in worrying about it. Okay. Oh, We're it also done. doing a pretty amazing feat as well. Ugh. I think comparable. I want a sick note because Emma and I have to do a mud run on Saturday. How far is it? 
absolutely hate mud and yeah. being cold. And running. Like, Guys, you have no it? merit to talk about this right 10K. now. Hey. Why? Uh, uh, I Holly, didn't like when you were doing your Iron Man and you thought how disgusting it would get muddy. Exercise. Yeah, but you guys yeah. like oh, that. Oh yeah, kind of just because you guys have done weird stuff doesn't mean that we have to. I've done medical school, but that doesn't mean I get annoyed with people for complaining about studying. It's very hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly the same. It is exactly the same. Anyway, so me and Emma are going to spend this weekend whinging about being muddy and running. Um, and Dan's going to do a 24-hour oh, sled drag for charity. Yeah. Oh, something yeah. terrible is happening to your voice, Emma. What did you say? I said I might get out of the mod run. Oh, yeah. Because of my third nipple. <laughs> she showed us prior to coming on. It is disgusting. <laughs> I feel like it's time she to definitely a, stop recording now. Shall we stop recording? Okay, we'll stop there. Okay. Thanks for listening, guys. But please, please if you like this... Please rate it, review it, download, subscribe, tell all of your friends, even ones that you don't like that much, um, and get them to do all of the above as well, because we would like to have people listen to our podcast. Thanks. Thanks. (laughs) Okay, bye. Bye. Okay, bye. Bye.